Hi, friends, and welcome to today's episode of Hooked on Homeschool. I think you're going to be so impressed with today's guest. Her name is Cole, and she is homeschooling her twins. They are going into fourth grade. But what makes her so special is the fact that she used to be a school teacher. She was a school teacher for quite a while. She's got a couple different degrees, and she has decided to leave it all behind and homeschool her children. So stick around because you are going to learn why she has decided to choose the homeschool path. Hi friends, are you ready to homeschool, but you're just not sure how to begin? Do you feel overwhelmed or frustrated with the public school and noticing that your child is constantly struggling or falling behind? Are you ready to say goodbye to that hectic and stressful weekday schedule and embrace a completely different approach? Do you find that your child is exhausted from those long days at school, followed by hours of homework at night? And are you constantly experiencing stress and overwhelm as a result? I'm here to share some great news with you. There is a better way, and it's called homeschooling. Experience quiet and peaceful mornings again. How about instilling a sense of joy and excitement for learning in your child? Witness their true passions unfold as you go on this fulfilling journey together. Welcome to Hooked on Homeschool. I am Dawn Janowitz, a homeschool mom, wife, podcaster, and online course creator. And I want to give you the clarity, the confidence, the freedom, and all the strategies to show you that it is possible to create an amazing homeschool experience that works for both you and your kids. So come on, ladies, let's go from hot mess express to fierce and fun, and let's get hooked on homeschool. Hi, Cole. How are you today? Hi, how are you doing? I am good. I am good. I'm so excited to have you on the show because I really think you're going to have a lot of insight for our listeners who are thinking about homeschooling. They're deciding whether they should do it or not. And not only do you homeschool, but you've kind of got a bird's eye view of what the public school system looked like and then also what homeschooling looks like. So let's go ahead, have you introduce yourself, introduce your family, and then we'll first start off with where you used to work and what you did and why you've decided to homeschool. Hi, my name's uh, Nicole Heyman. It's Nicole, but I go by Cole. And I'm a mom of nine-year-old twins, River and Riley. They're a boy and a girl, and they're going into fourth grade. And I've been homeschooling since, pretty much since the start. Yeah. That's wonderful. Okay, so you started in kindergarten. You started kindergarten with homeschooling them? Yes. Okay. So before that, so maybe even when you were pregnant, when you were pregnant, were you working in the public school system? I was a dean in the public school system. That was the last job in the school system that I had. So I was the dean of students for a K through eight school. And I was pregnant right at the end of the year. And it was that, that was probably, I knew I was going to stay home, be a stay at home mom for at least the first several years. And so that was my kind of exit out. Okay. So when you graduated high school, did you go right off to college? And what degrees did you get? I went to college. What's funny is I, I took one of those college. I went, to, I went to community college first, and then I went to Florida State. And I remember taking one of those little tests in the career center that 
tells you what they after you take all the the whole test it tells you what careers that you could have and the only thing it said was teacher and what's funny is at the time I was like really that doesn't seem like something I would do however when I look back on it I was always playing teacher as a kid with my dolls and and so I went to college to get a degree in creative writing but I, during that time at school, I realized that I wanted to use it to teach kids language arts. And so I, they kind of guided me in that direction. I was already in that program. They're like, well, you can, you can um, do that and then get your teacher certificate afterward. So you ended up get, going to a community college. Then you went to Florida State. And what's interesting is you said that you took a test and it said teacher was your thing. Now, looking back, are you glad you went that route or do you feel like maybe you should have did something different or do you feel like teacher was good? It's hard to say because I feel like I'm a teacher in spirit. Like it's, it's who I am, whether it's, you know, I've taught, whether it's teaching kids at school, teaching my own kids. I've also been a fitness instructor. So that's kind of in my DNA. So it makes a lot of sense. Looking back. So you I, love to share your knowledge. Yes. You love yes. to share yourself. Yeah. And I I could see that. Yeah. You have such a beautiful heart and I could see that in you, especially with some of your Facebook videos and different things like that. So that's great. You have that energy. Okay. So then you graduate with your, did you say creative writing degree? Uh And then you went on to get a, so you got a bachelor's degree in that. And then you, did you even go on to get a master's degree? Um, I got a master's in education later while I was a teacher. While you were a teacher. Okay. And is that just a plain education or was that like to be an administrator? Cause you said you were a Dean as well. Yes. No, it was just an education. Education. Okay. So you got master's in education and then how long did you work in the education? How long were you in that field total, including being a Dean? About 12 years. 12 years. Mm-hmm. Okay. So you love the teaching. And then when you went to be a Dean, you saw, or what did you see that you decided, wow, when I have kids, I'm going to homeschool? Well, I think there was a couple of things. I, I, I didn't really think of it at first, but what I did notice as a teacher was that more so than when we were kids growing up in school, it just seemed like everything, there was so much more work and it was like, say for math, for example, I mean, they were teaching a new math concept every day and I was seeing how you can't learn a new math concept every day. And everything was about testing, testing, testing. And like the, the grades had to be based on testing. And, and me as like, so I, I grew up with ADHD. I didn't know until I was an adult, but I was not, I, I did not like testing. I, my mom said I used to hold up the tests and like push it back to them. Like, nope, <laughs> like with the big standardized test. And I just see, it was just, there was no joy in the teaching. I mean, and I, I um, actually got teacher of the year the first year that I taught because I brought in all these fun things to do and it just made it more enjoyable for the kids. We did a lot of hands-on things, but I saw as time progressed, you know, there's a lot more red tape and they wanted you to teach a specific way. And it just became less fun as a teacher and for the kids. And so I think that was kind of my start into seeing, seeing how, you know, the kids weren't learning as much and it wasn't, they weren't, there was no joy in learning. And then when I was a dean, that was really eye-opening because as a teacher, you're kind of on your own island where you, you only see what's going on in your classroom. And um, I was a dean for K through eight. And 
I was able to be in and out of all the classrooms. And the common thing that I saw was that, first of all, there's like 30 kids in a classroom. So there's, if even one kid is, is acting up, the whole class is thrown off and there's not much you can do. I would have to go in and pull kids out every so often, but it's still like you, you can't really, even the worst of worst kids, it's impossible to expel. And so you have constant disruptions in a class. It's the teacher spending the majority of the time correcting everybody. And so realistically, the amount of learning that's happening isn't, isn't as much as you would think. I wonder if some of the kids now, like actually when another kid's being disruptive and the teacher has to pay attention, the kids probably all pull out their cell phones and are like, all right, game time. Right? Or, and they're texting each other it. like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. That too. So then you decide to become a dean. Did they, did they ask you or you decided you said, wait, I'm going to get out of the classroom and I'm now going to be a dean? They asked me, I was a CRT, curriculum resource teacher, after actually I was doing it while I was uh, teaching fourth grade. And so I was teaching the teachers and an opportunity came up where someone I knew was, they. I worked for a, a national charter school company. And so somebody I knew was being promoted to one of the new schools that was going to be a principal and she needed a dean and she knew that I was doing really well. And she asked me to come over and be the dean, which there was second in charge. They didn't have an assistant principal. So I was I was second in charge of the school. And so just briefly, tell us like some of the things that you saw that you're like, wow, this is so I did not want to know all this stuff. Like this is way more stuff going on. And we all know like we just call it drama. But like what was going on behind the scenes that you're like, I'm not putting my kids into this. And probably the parents don't know about it either, right? Like parents don't know about all the stuff going on. Yeah. Well, for one, the, there was so much pressure on teachers to put in grades that the quality of what you're asking the kids to do, it goes down. So it's like they're just giving them multiple choice things so that they can have a put in a grade that's easier to put in a grade. And we found in some, there was, a, I remember a teacher's room, we found stacks and stacks and stacks of papers while she was out for a few days and because we were looking for something and they were all ungraded. We found that another teacher was padding grades. She was just putting in arbitrary grades just to get the grades in. Um, and then on a deeper level, what I saw, and this was also as a teacher, was that a few times here in Florida, we had, when the standard te- standardized test would come back, after the kids already got their grades, a few weeks later, they would change what was a passing grade. So one year, kids who thought they passed, uh, three weeks later, found out actually they didn't because they raised what the points were to pass that, say, the writing portion. But then the next year, it backfired because so many kids did poorly that a few weeks later, they dropped it again. And it's like, well, obviously, the grades, the scores are arbitrary. And you know, if you're just raising them and lowering them and... So that was a big, big eye opener. So every day you're going into your, your Dean position and like, like you, you're not actually there to educate children. You're there to kind of put out fires and organize the system of all these teachers. And then they are just trying to get these grades in. And it's just like a cycle over and over. Is that kind of like what it is? Like pretty much. And I mean, not to say that there's not good teachers out there. I mean, there are, but it's really hard. And especially now in the past 10 years, I feel like it just gets harder and harder for those good teachers because they're, they're being pushed out. And it's so, I mean, that, that part of it is one 
one, just only one side of it. The thing I think that affected me most as a dean was seeing how these, we would have like, say in a second grade class, there was one kid, I would have to go out and check on him most, almost every day. And he's flipping desks, throwing pen, like stabbed a kid with a pencil. There was a kindergartner girl who me and the principal would literally have to physically carry out of the room because she was flipping out. And you, if, if a teacher, if you have a kid in a classroom and there's another kid, child who's being disruptive and even violent, they, you can't move your kid to another class. And I remember thinking like, there's no way I would want my child in a classroom where what if the kid's like stabbing somebody with a pencil or flipping desks every day and they're scared to be in a classroom and then you, you don't have the choice to move them. I mean, that to me was, was alarming, you know? Wow. So then you left and then you get pregnant and then the first few years, you know, you have them at home and then you knew right off the bat, I'm going to be homeschooling these kids. Yeah. I think initially I I had started while I was pregnant, I found out about Montessori and that really interested me because it was hands-on and there, it was about, you know, teaching the kids to be independent and that really appealed to me. And so when they were babies, I, started doing things in that realm where it was, you know, making things low enough for them to reach and, you know, letting them, you know, learn how to use a spoon as a baby or things where were were just that they were able to reach and do things like a child led focus, child led focus. And so they, so I was going to go that route and we had kind of some limited options here. Really the only good school we had here for Montessori that were like that there was one that was um free but you had a lottery and so we didn't get in and it was I already was feeling like I was homeschooling anyway so it was like you know what I'm just gonna keep doing what I'm doing and and go from there and I found out there were other programs. So in kindergarten, there was, we went, we found out about an enrichment program that was specifically for homeschooled kids where they go in, they learn things. It's not rigorous. It's just they're, they're with other kids and they're learning things that are like on their level, but in a hands-on way. And that's what we've been doing ever since. And it's really made. And what program is that? So what they're doing right now is called Lighthouse. It's Lighthouse of w- School of Winter Garden. And um, it's they started off with one day a week, and now the program has grown, and you can go up to three days a week. It's up to the parent. Is it a drop-off, or do you stay with them? It's a drop-off, and it's from 9 to like 2.30 every day. So it's it's a pretty full day. And what I love about it is they – get to pick their classes. So it it almost feels like college where they have four classes a day and it it's anything, every semester changes, but it's, I mean, anything you can think of. So they have like um, arts, many kinds of art classes, digital. Is it an enrichment school? Is it enrichment? It's only enrichment. It's only enrichment. Field trips, right? Yes. Only enrichment and field trips. Okay. That's great. It's only enrichment. So they get to, so it's not like you're, they, the only thing really they don't do is like math and I mean, they do writing, but it's not like language arts writing. They're not teaching them the writing skills. We do that at home. But that's your like, that's, that's your skill. So right. you're like, I got this. You know what? Yeah, it's a lot yeah. easier teaching so somebody cool. else's kids. So. <laughs> yeah. 
Hi friends! Are you wanting to homeschool but you just don't even know where to start? If so, I have got some exciting news to share with you. Did you know that I have a free workshop that will help you get started with homeschooling? Plus, I'll give you valuable tips and insights to help guide you along the way. I invite you to visit Hooked on Homeschool, where I'll teach you how to create an amazing homeschool experience right now. Take this first step towards the incredible journey of homeschooling by visiting hookedonhomeschool.com. Now, we were talking about this on another episode about how like people are like, if you're not home with your kids, it's not homeschooling. And someone said it the best. She said that if it's if it's a parent-led learning, if the parent is leading the education, then that is homeschooling. Because doing a co-op, doing a hybrid school, doing a micro school, all of those are definitely homeschooling. If you are a type of parent that just can't be with their kids all day long, because maybe you work or maybe you've got things you have to get done and you're, you want to pull your kids out of school. These are all resources. These are great resources. These enrichment classes. I mean, how great is this? Your, your child can be learning all these fun things. They're not having to be stressed about grades and all these things. And they get to be out and about meeting people and you're building a community. So tell us about like, so they have the enrichment and then they have a field trip option as well. Well, so no, we didn't have a field trip option. And a few years ago, I, I I was taking my kids to do different things. And I realized a lot of the, there's so many options of field trips in Orlando, but you need big groups. And so I took it upon myself and created a group for our lighthouse community. And I plan every week, every Friday of the school year, we do something really cool. And it could be anything most of the time it's educational. I mean, we've done, what's great is things like, so we did iFly. Well, what iFly offers is also a homeschool option where before your flight, they teach them about physics and gravity. And so they have a class and then they get to fly or, you know, we, we go to miss like, and that's every week. Yeah. Wow, that's every, a it's a, really it was a lot more yeah. than I thought <laughs> it would be, but cause I collect the payments for everybody and I'm like, I'm scheduling it, but it's been so invaluable because our kids still get to meet together. They're doing amazing things and it's, it's, it's just been really fulfilling. So I don't mind doing it. And plus it's like, I get to pick it. So it's kind of the control freak in me. I'm like, I get to pick all the cool things we do. So. And you know what? It is true in Orlando here. There, there's so many things that you don't even think about that are such great field trip options. So how many students would you say is in this lighthouse school? Like overall? I think there's like, I think there's around a hundred kids right now. And I, oh, so it's a good size. That's great. It's a good, it's gotten big, but what's great is they don't, they expanded like how many days versus packing them into a classroom. So there's still only like 15 kids in a class. And it's so nice because they, it's all hands-on. I mean, like some of the stuff they take, I want to, I want to do. I mean, they're, they've got theater classes and improv, but also STEAM classes. And, you know, my, my kids are going into fourth grade and some of the classes that they're taking this, this coming semester is cryptozoology, quantum physics. Like it blows my mind. Oh yeah. Like history of filmmaking. I mean, it goes on and on of these really engaging classes that aren't the standard subjects, but they come back with so much more, you know, and 
And what's so great is when you do a field trip, when you're part of like co-op or whatever kind of hybrid school, you want your kids to interact with other children. When it's, it is a public school going on a field trip, it's so rigorous. They're not allowed to like go and do and be free. And it's such a different feel in these classes. It, it doesn't even look like school, feel like school, smell like school. It's, it, it, the kids are happy. They're not, I mean, think about if you told your kids to go to school and no more grades. I mean, just that alone, that stress would, would come off of them so fast. So just them getting together, they'll ask questions, they'll learn, they'll learn how to critical thinking, have a little bit of debate, figure out what this is, what that is. So it's so important for them to do that. So on the other days when they're not attending the schools, when you do your core classes, what kind of philosophy would you say you're doing? What kind of a approach to schooling would you say that you are doing? So it's probably, I think the people who are diehard unschoolers will be like, no, that's not unschooling. So I, I use the term loosely. I feel like for me, instead of it being so, instead of making it be like, we do school at home, like we're, we're modeling a school, a school day at home. It's, we don't necessarily have a schedule. And if we do, it's much more loosey goosey. So it's, what are the kids interested in? Let's go down that rabbit hole. Or a lot of times I take what they're learning in their, in their um, enrichment program, and then we dive deeper. So if I find they were learning about a specific person, if they're learning about Van Gogh, well, let's go home, we'll watch a documentary on it, then we'll maybe take a class where we can learn to paint like him. And then we can, you know, until they feel like, okay, I've, I've maxed out on that, what do I want to do now? And um, so a lot of the times, I'd say half the time it's things that they want, but it's also I things that may, they may not know about. Then, of course, I'm going to say, oh, let's learn about this and give introduce them to new things. And then they kind of, you, you base it on their interests that they want to learn more. Right. So what would you say that like a day in your routine looks like from getting up in the morning to going to bed on a day that you don't attend Lighthouse? Those are actually a lot easier because with our, we, our house, all four of us are diagnosed ADHD. So it is a struggle sometimes and mornings can be chaos, but I would say the mornings that we have to be somewhere, it's harder because it's like, you know, I tell my son, put on your socks. He's playing the piano. My daughter's like reading a book or trying to make a movie. And it's like, we have to eat breakfast. So it can be a little hectic. I think in the mornings when we don't have something, we all enjoy it a lot better because they're not being pushed to do something. I kind of let them get up. They sometimes play together a little bit. And um, we have breakfast and I I put out the night before a board. um, I have a big whiteboard and I write down not necessarily like eight o'clock this, nine o'clock this, but a kind of a loose schedule, the things we're going to learn that day. So it might be, you know, I might say like, it'll say yoga, morning walk, and then we'll have, um, let's see what else we do. It'll be like science, growth mindset. A lot of the stuff I do at home is more so than the subjects. I try to help teach them things that they'll need for everyday life. So life skills, growth mindset, Mm -hmm. but it'll be a loop like documentaries. So, and then we just wing it. Sometimes we'll hit it off. Sometimes we won't. I mean, we just kind of roll through the day, do like 20, 25 minutes until they're getting fidgety and then move, take a little break do some movement and then move on to the next thing. 
Right. Okay. That sounds great. So it's, you're right. I mean, whether it is the definition of unschooling, but it's definitely your, you don't have a curriculum that you're following and it's kind of like an eclectic approach or however. And that's the thing there. You don't have to fall under anything. If you don't want to, you could do whatever it is that you want to do. And, and however you feel like what is best for your kids and however that they're learning. My son, I knew at a very young age, he's kind of got that engineering mind that maybe he'll be, want to be an engineer. So doing math facts for him was important for me to give to him because I felt like that would be very important. So we would practice math facts, like left and right, up and down, back and forward. And he would know his times tables, division, like just crazy. And to me, that was important. And same with typing. We did that way back when he was young and now he's a super fast typer. So there's those two things that were very important because if you could do math, reading and typing, well, the entire world is open to you. You could pretty much get anything done and accomplished, any research, learn everything on your own. And, and there was, I I don't know who created, or I have to find out who actually said it, but there's this thing called the hundred hours of education, like in 100 hours, that's all your child needs. And then they're off and then they could like learn anything and everything. I know it's in one of John Taylor Gatto's book. He said, dumbing us down. And he talks about that. It's, it's such a good book. And it talks about like literally a hundred hours and then they can research and get all the information for anything that they need. And that was seriously eye-opening for me because I'm like, aha. So, so if I can give them the skills to get these things done, then boom, they can go off and research and be interested in anything that they want to do. So that's, that's so cool. And, and we're allowing our kids to figure it out, figure out what they want to do. So what is your evening routine look like? What is it? What is your, how do you wind, wind down the day? Usually we'll have dinner and we go for a walk with, with, and we, we get grounded. We're, we're the crunchy barefoot family, just trying to, you know, detox from all the screens that are around us all the time. And just, just get back to nature a little bit. And then sometimes we'll play a game. Once in a while, we'll watch a show if it's not like a weeknight. And we'll go, we'll get in, we do a family snuggle when we can and get in my bed and just do like one of us will read a book if we're in the middle of a chapter book and just, just, and then tuck them in. I mean, on a good day. Enjoy that time together. Exactly. I mean, on, on, on any other day, it could be just, like, you're like, please go to bed. <laughs> so I don't want people to think, you know, it's, it's, it's a struggle, you know, or they want to stay up or, you're, you know, we have our day of what we want it to look like. And then we have some days of how it goes and exactly you have your optimal days and your suboptimal days and it's okay. Ebbs and flows, right? It does. It does. So by also being able to keep them at home, you're able to instill more values in to them. So what would you say are some of the values that you find most important to you and your family? I think a big one is creativity because I saw, you know, my mom always told me the story and we didn't know I had ADHD until we even until I was in my thirties, but it made a lot of sense in my childhood. And she told me, she used to tell me how in preschool they gave me, they called her in because they gave everyone a sheet with a choo-choo train and told them to color the choo-choo train red and I colored it blue. And that to me, I think stood out to me because it's like, why couldn't it be blue? Why does it have to be red? Why can't you decide what you want your choo-choo train to be? And I think that shows you, like, that's a good example of what public school is like. It's like, it really was, I mean, I can go on a rant and I won't, but it's, you know, it's designed to pump out factory workers and, you know, everybody learned the same exact things and do the same things. And that's not real life. And so that the biggest thing for me with homeschooling was I want my kids to keep that creativity. And in addition to that is 
life skills and um, honesty, learn to follow through with things, growth mindset, and for uh, self-regulation, being able to handle the world and handle discussions with people. And I, to me, that's so important because if you don't have that, it doesn't matter how much you know, it's, it's, you need to be able to handle people and, and have conversations and be out in the world. So I, the life skills and that stuff is more important to me than, than anything. So every time I interview someone, that is exactly what they say, that academics does not come first. It's about being creative, being honest, integrity, having empathy for everybody around you, being an independent learner. Like all those things are so important. So you hit the nail right on the head. Our time has gone by so fast. I can't believe it. But I really appreciate you being on the podcast. And if you had some life hacks or some advice to people who are on the fence, they're thinking about homeschooling, but they're just not ready to, what would you say? What would you what would you like to tell them on, on all of your years of homeschooling and then also being in the public school? Look, it's easy to say, you, should, you know, homeschooling is better for them. I, but some people can't do it. Some people like don't have the capacity to do it. And I understand that. I think if they're, they think if they're in public school and they are curious about homeschooling, hop on the different, there's homeschooling forums in your town. There's homeschooling forums all on Facebook, find groups ask questions. I think there's a wealth of information out there that's going to help you, you know, and see that it comes. You're not alone. Right. You're not alone. And everybody has a different way just because one person homeschools one way. I mean, it's so all over the place and different and you just find what fits for your family. And I think if you are homeschooling, you know, especially if you plan on always homeschooling, don't try not to fall into the trap of comparing what they're learning to public school because I know a lot of times people think, oh well they're not they're not they're not on the same level or they should be learning this specific skill at this point in time. And it's like that's just not how it works. Everybody's brain works differently and they're they're all gonna learn to read and write and and in their own time and just focus on on keeping it fun and enjoyable and and what they and just fuel that desire to learn and they'll always want to learn. Yeah. And and even if your kid is in a public school and the teacher's telling you they're falling behind, no, they're not falling behind. They just, they don't need to catch up to anybody. And by pushing your child to do that is is creating a negative behavior in them where they're thinking they're never going to be able to amount to anything. So, so having all these third graders lumped together, fourth graders lumped together, you have these girls whose birthdays are in like December of that year and a boy's whose birthday is August the following year, they're going to be clumped in the same class and they're going to be so much different in how they learn. And there is no such thing as falling behind because they will eventually learn to read and write. And who knows when, when that child is all grown up and that parent is going to be like, I cannot believe I thought there was actually something wrong with you. There's nothing wrong with these kids. They just don't want to sit in a class all day long and be force fed information day in and day out. then having to regurgitate it and test on it. And it's just too much for our kids. And it's creating a lot of stress, anxiety, mental health, and problems. And then it's frustrating the parents. So like you said, we could, we could have a whole nother podcast of that, but (laughs) we'll end it here. Thank you so much, Cole. I really appreciate you being on the show. Great. Thanks for having me. You're welcome. Hi friend, before you go, I want to thank you for listening. 
And if you found this podcast helpful, I would truly be grateful if you could just take a moment and leave me a five-star review. Your review will help me improve and reach more listeners who could benefit from homeschooling. Until next time, keep exploring and discovering new ways to make your homeschooling a fun and enjoyable experience. Happy homeschooling! Happy homeschooling!